You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brent McCoy, Chris Scales. Good evening. David Hall. I'm here, and I'm pretty sure Brent is getting ready to run his uh, podium all-star race, so he'll be uh-huh. running out. Greg Hectus. I could be Brent. Jesse Gray. How's it going? Tony Groves. Howdy, gentlemen. Tony Rochette. Hey, everybody. And special guest Bobby Zelitsky. How's it going? Hey, welcome. So today's special guest segment is brought to you by SimLab Racing Simulator Products. SimLab provides quality sim racing chassis to suit your sim racing needs. Check them out at sim-lab.eu or search SimLab on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're real happy to be associated with SimLab uh, on a go-forward basis and, and uh, check them out. That's where Mason got his uh, cockpit. Uh, Bobby, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we're happy to have you. We've been trying to get all the guys from Peak to come on, and obviously we want to talk to you. Uh, first, let's uh, get to know you a little bit. Tell us how you got started in iRacing. When did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Yeah, I believe it was around 2009, and uh, I was playing NASCAR 9. I'd always played you know, racing games on Xbox and PlayStation since, as far as I can remember, since like 2 or 3. Um, and I was just playing online on NASCAR 9 and uh, had a friend, you may know him, he's a former peak driver, Adam Gilland, and I'd race around with him and, you know, he told me about iRacing and how Dale Jr. races on it and and it's this really good just racing game and I checked it out and, you know, I always I wanted to get it, um, but it, it took a while for me to eventually get it, but uh, it was always pretty obvious to me that it was kind of the next step in racing games that I would take whenever I could get it and uh, that it was just on another level. And then so when I was able to finally get it, uh, I was not disappointed. All right. And, uh, yeah, your stats show you're uh, quite the driver. I mean, I, I'm looking at a overall oval winning percentage, 25%, uh, road 37%, uh, and dirt road 46%, dirt oval 57% winning percentage. Uh, you're you're out there and you're winning a lot of stuff, but you're you're running a lot of stuff. You're not just an oval driver. What else are you running? You're in the Porsche series as well, right? Yeah, I am also in the Porsche series right now. I actually don't have my pro license because uh, we we uh, went to Spa and that is incident hell. So, you know, lots of incidents over there, and I uh, lost my pro license. So this week I've been trying to do some racing just to get my SR back up to above four, get that back. But uh, I just like racing anything, honestly, man. I, I Just about anything. You know, I, I don't really do a lot of the dirt oval. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just really like racing anything competitive on here. Um, I, you know, most of all, it's, it's going to be the Peak Series is my number one. But uh, I really, really enjoy road racing. I think that's what I get the most enjoyment out of. Right. All right. Very good. Let's talk about what kind of hardware do you have? Wheels, pedals, uh, computer, and that kind of thing. Well, currently I'm on a VRS Direct Drive, kind of early test version. Um, and I'm on G27 pedals. And now that sounds like a giant gap in equipment quality. Um, but, you know, these are my trusty pedals I got 
back in 2013 when I started iRacing and, you know, I've had to clean them a few times, kind of replace a couple things on them just to, you know, you know, little meters on them aren't very good, but, uh, you know, I, these are my favorite pedals. I, I think at some point I'll get some proper load cell brake kind of stuff, but, um, you know, I just don't see the need yet. Um, I was also on a Logitech G920 and before that a G27. Now you know, I had to upgrade just cause that kind of died out. And then I went to Logic G920, which is basically the same thing. Um, and, and I really stopped using that around November of last year and uh, started using this direct drive. And it's just a totally different experience when it comes to force feedback and, and driving. Uh, just makes it honestly a lot more enjoyable to race and um, hasn't really lost me any speed or anything. I think it might have gained me a little bit um, by using it. But uh, yeah. That's that's my, my basic equipment there. Um, so, I'll see. Go ahead. Sorry. We, so we hear so much, so many of the peak drivers come in and talk about they're still racing on the G27. So you feel like it's an improvement in the field, but it may not necessarily make you a better driver, but it doesn't necessarily harm you. Yeah, I think like for sure, because I I don't think my I think if anything my driving would have gotten marginally better for oval. For road, it's made a real difference because that's where you really need to kind of feel the curbs and going over everything. Um, and, and oval is really about being super smooth uh, with your inputs. Um, but I, just overall, it's more enjoyable. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily made me faster in oval, but I could definitely see how it could make someone, you know, just starting out faster using a direct drive versus, you know, your Logitech with weak force feedback, just because you can totally feel the car. And I think, you know, one problem people have when they're starting is they have no connection to their car when they're driving on the screen. They, you can't really feel it, you know, um, and with direct drive, you can really feel the car. Right. And that's uh, direct drive wheel is uh, the VRS box, which provides a software kind of uh, hardware component, but you still have to get the motor and the wheel separate. Oh, it'll all come in, in a bundle uh, oh, when okay. it does come out. Yes. So we're still pre-order. We're not even at pre-order, but they're still working on it, right? Right. All right. Well, we've been talking about it for a while. It certainly is an interesting product. Uh, what about VR and monitors? I do run three monitors, 24-inch uh, uh, Asus. They're the VG248QEs, um, so like 144 hertz, uh, one millisecond response time. I just I got these in 2015, um, so I, I have not tried VR yet. I'm one of those people that is waiting for it to kind of get to a better resolution and all that before I try it, just so, uh, you know, get the best version possible. I'm not really in a rush to try it, even though I've heard it's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm on, I'm on three screens, 24 inches each. Okay, very good. And uh, tell us what else you're racing on a regular basis besides the Peak Series and the Porsche Series. We talked about that, but what else? Leagues, uh, hosted, official? Well, I am part of the, the Endurance, uh, VRS Endurance World Championship as well, but I do not race that full-time. I raced the first race and uh, did not race in the second, and I'm not going to race this weekend in the third. Um, I'm also, I do the Rally World Championship, and that'll start back up in September. Um, but yeah, I do a sim racing authority league. Um, I'll do a full season kind of every once a year nowadays. I used to be full time from like 2014 to kind of early or late 2016 before I started doing the pro stuff. Um, and I'll do full time in that 
and SRAs, uh, rally and, and F1 leagues they do just for fun. Um, just cause that's kind of the place I began my whole real sim racing kind of journey here on iRacing. And, uh, also do a little bit of socks out racing, super trucks league. It's a, you know, league that uses the NASCAR trucks on road courses only. And, uh, being that I love road racing and NASCAR, it's a, it's a great combo. So, uh, been doing that for a couple of years now as well that's kind of a neat uh com combo for sure trucks on road huh yeah it's just it's mainly just me being you know loving racing the nascar stuff on road so um, but it does produce some exciting racing all right very good what's your uh, preferred car number and how come it is number 83 not running that anymore because of uh being on joe gibbs racing now and the peak series uh, but i do still run that number in porsche esports super cup and the and the rally stuff and any other leagues i can get the number in um i actually don't have the best reason for liking the number i was about i was like seven years old uh playing nascar thunder 03 and playing the career mode and 83 was like one of the only numbers you could pick. And I just liked the way it looked. And I, I just always liked the number. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, it's, I thought it was a cool number and I liked it. And it just stuck uh, for my whole life now. So that's where that comes from. So let's talk about Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, when the draft came out and and you got the, you know, the, the Interstate Batteries 18 car, Man, I'm like, Bobby got the best car. Is that what you were thinking? Well, I was looking at, you know, the draft order and where they had they had ranked us all in the power rankings and I was around the top five and I was like, Okay, I'm not I'm not gonna get drafted top three. I know that's gonna be Ray, Luza, Conti. But after that I was really hoping to go to Joe Gibbs at five. Um, just because I felt like of all the teams there, that would be the best to go to. Um, and I still believe that, and I'm glad they took me. I didn't have any wars with them prior. They they just you know took me at five, and yeah, it was really cool. Um, but it was so sudden because only about a month and a half before that, we had no idea this was gonna go on this draft stuff, and I was just preparing for another season, kind of with my new guys I was gonna work with, um, you know, driving the '83 VRS car. So it just all kind of changed, and now we have all these you know new teams and esports companies and all this getting into it. Um, and it's still growing. It's still really in its infancy. So I'm happy to be on the 18 interstate batteries. Hopefully we can continue growing it and have some more opportunities, you know, from here, um, see what goes on with them. So what kind of contact have you had with them? I mean, who's your, have you talked to anybody? Have you talked to Boris over there or who is Yeah, Boris your... is, yes, exactly. Uh, Boris is my main contact. Uh, we do talk quite a bit. And he's really involved uh, with me and my teammate Jake, and you know, asking how it's going, you know, and yeah, talking about you know, special paint schemes we're gonna run. And so yeah, he's been he's been my main contact from there. He really does a good job running uh, that side of things. Yeah. So if you don't know, uh, Boris, from my understanding, is like their social media guy at Joe Gibbs Racing, but he probably has a bigger title than that. He's uh, involved in the marketing and and obviously the sim racing and stuff like that yeah exactly he's uh i don't know exactly what his title is but yes it's it's a lot more than just social media it's mostly just pretty much you know everything digital he's kind of kind of the guy um so yeah he's uh does a great job and you know it's a good relationship we have with him he's you know pretty good guy and yeah all right uh, tell us how you're 
Joe Gibbs' teammate fits in? And then what about your actual real team behind the scenes and, and who are you working with there? Yeah, it it was so <laughs> it's a it's a funny story because um you know Jake was my teammate last year with Slip Angle he was running Road to Pro and he had been my teammate when I first joined there in 2016 um and like we were I, I had left Slip Angle at the end of last year um, to work with Keegan Leahy and Chris Shearburn who are both on now G2 and Latart Esports um and you know we have our little three guy team. But I went over to the Slip Angle Team Speak. We were all watching the draft together. All the big guys from there, you know, Ray, Overland, everybody. And, like, my name came up, and I actually been kind of told uh, beforehand. I, got, I kind of got a hint that I might be going to Joe Gibbs, so I wasn't super surprised when it happened. Um, but then when Jake got taken by Joe Gibbs, we all freaked out. I had no idea. Um, and he was ranked like 40th out of 40 on the power rankings and, and they took him and it was just crazy that, you know, here we are teammates again in, in one way, uh, at Joe Gibbs. And, um, yeah, that was just, that was crazy. But, uh, yeah, Jake's been, Jake's been really good in peak this year as a teammate. Just, you know, when we were by each other, we always give each other a break and we're leading the team points right now. And he's eighth or he's 10th in points and I'm ninth in points. So. Going pretty well. Okay, very good. Uh, let's switch gears to road. Uh, Coanda Simsport. Wow, that's a big team. And uh, tell us how that happened and uh, why are you there? So I've had a bit of a relationship with them since kind of the end of 2017. I wanted to just, they, they're giving me a little bit of help and guidance for the Road Pro Series when it was back with the F1 cars, um, being that we had a connection uh, through VRS because, um, you know, slip angles part of you know VRS with the coaching and so is Coanda so they offered me a bit of help and I just built up a relationship with those guys as friends and you know just just friends over there and um, kind of in the middle to late last year 2018 uh, they kind of expressed some interest in making a NASCAR division over there and I had interest in teaming up with Keegan um, and kind of kind of breaking off from the nest of slip angle and kind of doing something different and just Keegan's a good friend and thought it'd be fun. Um, so they came and they were like, Hey, how about you guys run under us and come be a part of our team? And, you know, it, it made all the sense in the world for us. Cause I was already good friends with them and it would, we thought it would be awesome to kind of continue their kind of road success into the oval stuff. Um, so that's really how that kind of came about. Um, now <laughs> it kind of got a little messed up with this new draft stuff because we can't really represent them in, in the series in terms of a paint scheme. But yeah, they're still very much effective behind the scenes and helping us. Okay, very good. And you mentioned VRS. Tell, obviously, uh, virtual racing school is what that means. And you have a direct drive wheel that you're, pro, you know, you're testing before they start selling it. But tell us what else you're doing with VRS. Well, I'm, I'm a coach there, um, you know, helping people learn how to kind of build setups or help them with their driving. I also make data packs uh, specifically right now for C-Fixed for the National Series and for A-Open slash NIS Open. I will, you know, make data packs there. Uh, being A-Open, the only one that really involves setups of the three. Um, so I'll go on there. I'll provide a base, which I know is pretty popular. Everyone kind of runs that as the their fixed setup if they don't have a, you know, setup to run. Um, but then I'll also make a video part of that, kind of telling them kind of what adjustments to make and and just give give the 
people that are watching ideas on what to do to the base that I put in the data pack, the base setup up in the data pack. Um, so that's that's effectively what I do most at VRS is kind of just what any other coach does there. <laughs> Can I ask so a question on there, uh, Mike? Yeah, hop in. Um, Bobby, with the because uh, we're we're obviously as a team we we use VRS. There's a bunch of us that subscribe to VRS. Um, what do you entail if somebody wants to do the lessons from you? Like, what do you where do you go with all that? Uh, what do you mean, like the coaching sessions? Yeah, the coaching sessions. Like, what does it entail? Because obviously, like we've been talking about it, we're interested in something that like doing that, but as like a team, and we're just trying to see what it would. What's an entail? Uh, well, you know, you would just kind of go on the coach's part on VRS in your request session. You basically just ask, you know, in in your requests of what you want to know and and what you want to just talk about and learn about. Um, it's pretty simple with that. Um, there's like the three different sessions, really they're named, you know, question and answers and all that. Um, but it's really like, you can get a 30 minute, 60 minute or 90 minute session. I mean, you basically just write it all down in the request, what you want to know and what you want to talk about. Um, and then, you know, we work together, we talk together, figure out exactly kind of the goals of the session and figure out a good time to do it. And, um, it's really as simple as that. Cool. All right. We're actually, uh, we're actually considering doing a group lesson for Lamont, right? If we can get enough of our drivers out at the same time. Mm. Yeah, Lamont coming. Yep, that's right. All right. Uh, next, let's jump to what's your most memorable moment in iRacing so far? Uh, bad answer, but I, I really don't have a number one memorable moment. I can't. It's so hard. I've had some really awesome moments. Um, you know, speaking of Sim Racing Authority, my first ever league win, and and man, I was pretty much a backmarker running about 15th in that league. Then I, uh, I won a race about four years ago now. Uh, it was one of those classic I racing one lap dashes to the end. You know, one lap restarts, and I went from 10th to first, and I drove through the grass to miss a wreck coming to the finish, and I won. That was pretty crazy, um, and that's just that's very memorable. But then you know, you go ahead and you go up to, you know, in the pro series stuff, just making peak was pretty memorable. And, and then any time I've won Sonoma in either the pro or peak series has just been really important to me because uh, that is my favorite track and car combo on iRacing. And any time I can get the job done there and win, it's, it's really special to me. All right, very good. Yeah, I think I was in SRA back about four years ago briefly I realized I was way outclassed. Uh, I came over from Nordgar League, and that was kind of dissolving, and, and they started up SRA, but a lot of good guys over there. All right, uh, tell us about your the new Aero package, and how has that affected you this year in Cup? Well, like, I think it's affected everybody in the sense that your kind of driving skill isn't as important as it once was, just because, you know, you guys have driven it, you're like, especially at Kansas, you're full throttle at night. If you're on your own and not even in the draft, you're pretty much full throttle the entire tire life and fuel run. Um, and <laughs> so it's basically like Talladega. Um, but once you do get in one of those big packs, it is even more like Talladega or Daytona, but you hit that dirty air and that's just, uh, it sucks so much hitting that dirty air. <laughs> you know, you're used to using so much more throttle and then you just go into the corner and just plows. Um, so the main difference now is just understanding how to drive in that dirty air 
and and just trying to be a lot more strategic in getting track position and and holding people off. Um, it's so much more racecraft based now. Uh, just you know, you're you're just not really worried too much about getting your driving perfect as you are your strategy perfect. And and peak for me this year. I've been running up front still. It's just I've gotten in a lot more wrecks because there has been a bit more wrecks caused by this close racing, a lot more net code, unfortunately, because the cars are so much faster. And you just, I'm sure you guys have seen it in NAS. The net code oh, just yeah. seems so bad now. Um, Everyone's closer. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and you, you've had some bad goes. luck. I, you know, I've been watching you throughout the year and you've been caught up in some crap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you always try to, when you get in a wreck, you just, you try to think of all the things you could have done differently to get you out of that spot. Like at Texas, I had the pretty popular flying through the sky wreck. Um, but I wouldn't have been in that spot to get wrecked if I didn't speed in the green flag run prior. So it's like, I always try to look at it that way where, yeah, nothing I could really do about that wreck, but I could have not been there if I just wouldn't have made this mistake, you know, but I've been in some couple other wrecks this season that I, I can't figure out what else I could have done. And it just happens, you know. I'm, right. I'm glad I'm still there in about ninth place, only a couple points out of the playoffs. Uh, so that's ready. what I was going to ask. You're in good shape for the playoffs, you think? or? Uh, well, I've never been in this spot before. So I've, you know, two seasons before this racing in peak. And by this time in the year, I usually have a pretty nice gap, about 20 points to ninth. And uh, this year I felt like I've been fast as ever. But, yeah, you just... You know, you can't really predict getting in wrecks. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I really hope I can make the playoffs still. I mean, I'm right there, and I've gotten in, like you said, quite a few wrecks. Um, and I have some good tracks coming up for me. So, I, I, I'm confident I can get in if I can just have some clean races. Yeah, I get it. And you got that good mojo from, you know, the 18 you know, Joe Gibbs racing car. Uh, they're running so hot this year, and, you know, it's going to rub off, I'm sure. All right, well, uh, tell us how fans can find you on social media, uh, Twitch, do you tr stream, that kind of thing, and who do you want to thank, uh, you know, who's your team? Yeah, I don't, uh, don't do any streaming yet on Twitch. You know, there's so many guys in Peak now that are doing it, I'm bound to start. Um, but you can, you can see me on Twitter, at Bobby Zielinski, simple as that, no, nothing else, just at Bobby Zielinski. And also, I have a Facebook page, uh, you know, facebook.com slash Bobby Zielinski. Um, those links should work like that. It's where you can catch, see what I'm up to. Um, and yeah, always thank to my team, VRS Coanda SimSport. Such a great team to be on, such a good group of guys just to hang out with, be friends with. You know, and I got to thank Keegan and Chris Sherburn as well for the NASCAR side, helping build setups and, and just prepare for each peak race. That is a great group to be with. We're a really small group. It's only the three of us uh, doing it, but I feel like we only need the three of us um and it's pretty cool to have a small group like that so gotta thank them as well yeah and keegan is uh, red hot this year i mean he's been running up in the top three there several races in a row and uh and yeah running great so you guys are getting it done let's talk about uh briefly our sponsor we do sponsor the sra sim racing authority sunday night xfinity series and uh Guess who won? Let's talk about it. The SRA iRacers Lounge podcast series held race number 10 at Interlagos, Brazil. Mr. Bobby Zelensky took the pole and Freddie De La Rosa on uh, the front row. Starting both behind Bobby, his third was Jake Nichols. The 32-lap race 
At stage one end at lap 10, Zelensky held the lead from the start and earned a stage victory followed by Della Rosa and Northrop. Nichols brought his uh, Toyota Camry in P4 for the stage. Bobby would go on to lead 26 of 32 laps in a commanding win at Interlagos. So, Bobby, wow, you're getting it done at the uh, league level as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I always, even if I'm part-time in SRA, I always show up for those for those uh, road course races. Like I said earlier, those are my favorite. Um, and But yeah, it was my first race uh, of the season. And, um, you know, I just love those road course races. I hope that race uh, you just read will go the same as the Sonoma Peak race we'll have in about three weeks. Yeah, and so uh, pole, and then you got the stage, and then the overall win. So good job. I mean, you can't beat that. But uh, I'm glad you got in there and, and let somebody else win besides Jake for a while. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, he's been getting it done. And uh, Ben Nelson, he also uh, got in the top five there uh, with Nick in uh, fourth, uh, Nick Northrup. Uh, next, uh, they head to Chicago for the 11th and final race of the regular season before the playoffs. So they are still accepting drivers for the iRacers Lounge Sunday night Xfinity Series, guys. Check it out. And uh, Bobby, thanks for coming on. We certainly appreciate you. We're happy to have you anytime, and uh, good luck on the rest of the season. All right, let's jump into iRacing News. Chris, you're up first. April Top 10. Yeah, last week iRacing posted April's Top 10 highlight video. Um, not too bad. Uh, there was a couple of them in there that were all right. It seemed like this uh, the theme for this one seemed to be kind of wreck avoidance. Uh, there was a pass in the grass and the Miatas that was pretty cool. I think uh, my favorite video, though, I think it was number two. They have uh, There's an Xfinity race, and the leader... Uh, helps push start uh, a guy that's about ready to get lapped so he could continue on about his way. But uh, that was pretty good. But yeah, it's uh, not bad. Um, they also, through those posts, there's a, a link where you can submit your videos too. And just want to remind everybody if um, you have a cool video to, to submit that to them because this one wasn't bad, but it, I feel like uh, some of the early ones were better. So maybe they just need to get some more content, more submissions. And you get paid. They pay you iRacing credits for if you uh, they end up using your video. Yeah. Yep. Right. I thought it was pretty good as well. Uh, the one where the Mazdas were in the pass in the grass, and uh, there was another one where they're at Talladega five wide for the finish. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that pass in the grass was pretty impressive. Even in a even a Miata, that was that was pretty awesome because he, he kept it under control for what yeah it wasn't just like the Earnhardt pass in the grass he was he passed like four cars and he was in the grass for like a whole straightaway <laughs> yeah and there was one more road race where two guys were racing and one guy kind of got in the other accidentally and uh it was on the last lap so at the end of the lap he kind of pulled over and let the guy get his spot back so oh isn't that cute <laughs> all right uh tony rochette world of outlaws williams grove yeah, uh, Bergeron claimed his fourth victory of the season. Um, he scored the pole and uh, won his won his heat. Um, after the second restart, Helaman uh, began to run on top line and began to pick off cars. Bergeron moved up and gained the tra or gained time back. There's only two races remaining in the two night. Yeah, 
2019 iRacing World of Outlaws NAS Energy Sprint Car World Championship. Uh, the dirt track at Charlotte, and next week, and then uh, two weeks is uh, Knoxville. Uh, 74 point uh, championship advantage goes into Charlotte. Uh, Bergeron will look up to wrap up the title and round up round uh, early the final new track this season. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Alex getting it done, man. I mean, uh, the boy is on fire as usual. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a, I, I did watch this uh, pretty, pretty good. I thought it was a good race. All right. Uh, this is a fun one. Greg looking for love. Well, anybody that was, uh, let's just see who the post was here. Uh, Jeffrey Ford posted up, uh, I guess, a link he found for uh, Gamer Dating Canada. Uh, it's a dating website for video gamers. So uh, any of you guys that are out there looking or girls looking for uh, a date or somebody to uh, connect with, uh, go to Gamers Dating Canada. <laughs> Sam and I thought about setting up a website like this years ago, and we were too lazy to do it. I think I guess we should have done it. But, yeah, that's how we met, uh, gaming. So it happens. <laughs> so I... I, when I found this, I, I think I put in a chat, hey, do I have any single guy volunteers that want to sign up and see if we can find a female that's into iRacing? Because I don't think there are very many of them. I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean to make this sound bad, but um, when's the last time? I haven't raced with a female in a while on here. I, there used to be one that we were racing with I, constantly in the truck series, but when was the last time? Have you guys raced with uh, anyone in a while? Tend to, even if they're on there, they tend to stay really quiet just because it's such a male-dominated area still that they just didn't. They don't. I don't think they feel like it's their tribe. And if, as soon as they speak up, all the guys who are who just want to start trolling or or shit talking go. Excuse me. They go. They just they can't handle themselves when there's a female driver in there. So the female drivers who are in there tend to stay quiet. I remember uh, Brittany Grimm. Uh, raced with her a lot, uh, maybe a year or two ago, but I haven't seen her since. Yeah, I don't. Um, I was I talk about this with Sam one day. Um, racing in general, I don't know. There's just not that many female racers. I don't know if there's just <laughs> something in the male psyche, like where we like to go out and, and beat each other, beat each other on the track. But yeah, there's just it's just not a sport where it seems like we have too many female participants for some reason. It's going to stay away for uh, dirt trucks. Haley Deegan will probably be on. Well, the thing that's interesting about this is in the gaming industry now, it's getting the the numbers that are increasing for females. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, this is a different type of hobby with the iRacing. But, I mean, in gaming in general, I think females that take over 50% of the actual economy for, for video gaming is now. They're up above 50%. Right. Well, gr granted, every stereotype is going to get broken, but there tend to be games that that most guys end up liking, and there's going to be games that girls tend to end up liking as well. Now, you, you mentioned there's a lot of up-and-coming uh, female racers coming up through the ranks, too. Uh, I've spoken with Natalie Decker, and she tends to race under her boyfriend's account instead of, instead of having one on her own, and she probably just gets bothered less that way. There you go. Gamer-dating.com. You're a listener that finds a girlfriend this way through iRacing. Let me know. I want to hear about it. Couples right. that game together stay together. <laughs> there you go. All right, Tony, tell us about the Tifosi All Star Weekend. 
Yeah, coming this uh, Friday night, uh, Tofosi All-Star Racing. Uh, we're going to host two races uh, tomorrow night, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, 80 lap, uh, almost a shootout at Talladega with the old COT car. Um, it's a free car and a free track, so everyone's welcome. Um, you get one quick fix. Um, it's going to be a fixed set. Um, I can't remember if I put a two-hour practice or a one-hour practice. Um, loan qualifying in five minutes. Um, br bring a good paint scheme. And uh, for Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we're going to do a 92-lap uh, cup car at Charlotte. Um, All-star type of deal. Um, it's going to have four stages, 30, 20, 20, 10. Um, no quick fixes, um, open setup. So if you want to test your 600 set, come on, bring it on. Um, it's going to be at sunset. It's going to be a two hour practice with a five, uh, minute queue. All right. Come join us guys. I'll be in those races. Uh, all of us, bunch of us will. So come race with us. I think David and I'll be streaming them. Yeah. Or watch. Yeah. Yeah, I won't. I don't think I'll make the Sunday night. I'll have a league race thing going on, unless unless the time doesn't conflict. Well, I'll stream both of them so that we have viewership. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I've never driven the car of tomorrow. I joined iRacing after that thing was gone. If uh, if there's budding broadcasters out there, we don't have a broadcast or lined uh, up yet. Let us know. Now, Tony, this is unrestricted car, right? Oh yeah, so by yourself you're doing about 240. so that means you have to lift in the corner so the first lap you don't have to lift but by the second lap you have to lift in the corners it's it's very different than a normal talladega race yeah i know uh, you've raced quite a few of those unrestricted races mike and you've said they're a ton of fun i, yeah, I still haven't still haven't raced one really i'm telling you to. how it works is people don't realize what i just said and they and literally on the second lap when they get to turn one and two they put it in the wall because they don't lift and and that's how that race will go i guarantee you someone will stuff it in the wall <laughs> yep and there will be caution so so lift on the second lap. I'll probably say it out loud to try to get people to do it. But all right, David, let's talk about the Porsche Esports Super Cup Spa round three. So it's funny how you can get on, get everything strung out on a road course race uh, because there's usually no cautions, and then sometimes you'll have two drivers who are just so equal that it comes down to the last lap. And in fact, that's what we had. Uh, Tommy Ostergaard is the winner. And he was not the pole center and did not lead any lap except the last one. He stalked the rate, the leader the entire time and makes a lap on the last lap to take the win. Um, and it was exciting. I, I did get to watch the remix, and it's it's some very close side-by-side -side racing. I was jealous of it because, you know, you guys know I do a lot of the IMSA racing, and if anytime you try to run like that around anybody, they just it's it's usually bad news. Uh, so those guys really look like pros out there uh, they running that, that kind side. of race. Yeah, they really look amazing doing it. It was a uh, it was awe inspiring. Uh, Josh Rogers is still the points leader, uh, and Patrick Holtzman, who led most of the race, is uh, falling behind, and Tommy is in third. They next week will be this week was at Spa. It's a pretty fun track. Next week is at uh, Circuit Gilvenu, the Montreal track. Very fun track. It's my favorite track. I've got the mo I've, I've got most of my wins there, so I look forward to watching that one. Cirque de Gilvenu. 
Now, before that last lap battle, uh, there was uh, a three-way a three-way battle. Uh, Mitchell DeJong actually wrecked the leader. Uh, they went three wide at some point. It was amazing, and uh, of course, it didn't work, and somebody got uh, tapped, and two of them had to it actually got spun out in first and third place, I believe, and then. Uh, that allowed the two other guys to, you know, battle it out for the win. But that was some good race, and I did enjoy watching it. Okay, Jesse, Mazda Hot Lap Challenge winner update. Yeah, Logan uh, tweeted out uh, that he is going to be going to, excuse me, the Joe Miller Racing. He's going to be at the Thermal Club in Southern California. I don't know if you guys know a timeline. I don't know when that's going to be. But, oh, that's for the Mazda test he won. Yeah, yeah. That those Mazda guys are doing a lot with this iRacing and with uh, Logan. And I, I was talking with Mason about it earlier this week. And hopefully they just keep uh, broadening with iRacing because I feel like they got a pretty good partnership and doing a lot of things outside of the sim world with winners from the sim world. Yeah. Neat opportunity for Logan. Uh, hope he enjoys. Well, Mazda is a brand. They're always pushing their brand. They're probably the most, you, you hear Mazda the most in motorsports right now, probably of any of them, because the way that they like to push their name, like I know they were trying to do the, uh, you know, they're getting their cars ready for 24 hours, the Rolex 24 hours and things like that. Like Mazda is trying to have a big influence on racing and they just, um, they just enjoy it so much to advertise with it. All right, Tony Groves, you got the big topic of the day, dirt trucks. Yeah, um, iRacing released another uh, another video, really well done, well produced video um, showing off the Wild West Motorsports Park. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but this, uh, this video here just set me right off. Um, I mean, I was excited when they, when they first announced them doing this, um, you know, back when uh you know we saw basically just a dirt track with no background i was I'm like i'm all in you know shut up take my money um the last video that they is almost like a teaser video but now this one it's it's really showing you some stuff um man great producing um just gets the the blood boiling just um uh, you know, so much anticipation for this now the opening is like a Wild West movie kind of thing. It looks like Clint Eastwood or something. You know, the very beginning you see the sun just up in the horizon, and then you see the desert, and and uh, and then the Wild West fonts and stuff. A very cool uh, kind of theme. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 almost like they're you know telling a bit of a story there, but uh, um. You know, there's there's lots of buzz about this. Um, lots of people excited on the forums. Um, I mean, you just just take a look at them, right? And it's everybody's going crazy. Um, you know, and and people, you know, have have their questions and uh, this, that, and everything else. And you know, they're they're doing what they can to to answer them. You know, they um, one comment that we got here is, uh, you know. They're saying that uh, these trucks are are going to be like really good uh, running on the Rally X tracks, um, and they're going to have uh, setups provided uh, to be able to do that. So, um, you know, may, maybe that's going to be uh, a series all on its own, running the trucks on all the uh, Rally X tracks. 
It's going to be a blast. You know what really caught my eye in the in the film was the dirt clods when all the cars are going at once and just the clods all flying up all from all the different cars and I, it just you know it looks very realistic as, as, and uh, is what I guess I'm seeing. But yeah, they said they had improved the dirt um, with the you know through the process of adding these trucks and I think you can see it in that video. You can oh yeah tell they made some it looks better than I've seen it ever before. I think. Fun. And just just watching the way that those trucks move around on those tracks, like the suspension travel and and the way that they um, are sliding around the corner. I mean, there's there's ways it's got to go with with the way the dirt and stuff shows on the track and the grooves and stuff. But they've definitely taken another step with the visuals on uh, how that dirt looks. So they did say that they're not sure about what they're doing with the license and the classes and all that. But they said they will figure that out in the next couple of weeks. There's only going to be one config at each of the tracks. Yeah, and there's uh, well, there's another track that they're they're talking about, Wild Horse. Um, they said that it's it's not Showtime ready, but they're hoping to to get out a preview uh, soon. So I guess we just gotta kind of wait for that. Um, they also uh, said that these. Uh, the trucks are insanely fun anywhere. They don't require the pre precision that the rally cars do. You can just throw them around and it's a total blast. Um, with the rally cars, if you slightly miss a corner before a jump, you might fly off the track. And, oh, I've done that plenty of times. Land on top of tires and, uh, you know, flip a hundred times. I mean, still just as fun. But um, anyways, they say that's not the case here. And for that reason alone... Um, you know, they're, they're really thinking that these are going to be a lot more popular than the Rallycross. Um, I mean, they're going to be more popular for me. I, I Like I said, I was all in right from the beginning, and I'm just waiting for, for June to hit that buy button. Yeah, it's going to be fun, I think. Uh, I think a bunch of us have said we're going to buy it. Um, I love the power. Man, it looks like so much horsepower. All right, uh, let's go to the next topic. I have a... A message from Chris Overland, who is a peak driver we've had on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, he drives the 47 uh, JGT Daughtery uh, peak car. Um, anyway, Chris uh, put out an urgent message on social media. Uh, he had his dad had a heart attack, and uh, and they're having to figure out you know how to pay the bills because uh, he is the primary breadwinner. And uh, they put together a GoFundMe for Chris Overland's father because uh, he has to go through some heart surgery. And uh, so he put that out on social media. I thought we'd mention it. Uh, if you want to contribute, you can go find Chris on Twitter at ChrisOverland47, and uh, you'll find on his page a link to the GoFundMe. It looks like uh, they they have put together uh, a good chunk of money to help with this, but I think they're still needing some more. So if you guys can help Chris out, uh, you know, it's a great iRacing community. Let's show them what we can do. That uh, that hits home for me a little bit there. With the, I have uh, serious heart problems in my life too, so I feel for uh, his dad, and I hope he gets better. Yeah, we did get a late update that dad did go through a successful surgery, and uh, so that is good news that he is on the mend. So uh, prayers out to Chris and his family. Uh, David, talk about the 24-hour of Lamar. 
Well, we plan on going a little in-depth on this, but we'll start with just the basic information. If you've run it before, you're pretty familiar. It's going to be just about the same setup they had last year. On the weekend of May 31st to June 2nd, there will be two time slots, one at uh, 0100 GMT and the other one at 0900 Eastern Daylight Time. I basically said those because one's Euro-friendly and one is is uh, more U U.S.-friendly. It's at the Circuit at 24 Hours du Monde. Uh, which is uh, the Le Mans track, and it's running the standard Le Mans cars. So you got your LMP1 cars, the HPD is the LMP2 class, and then the four GTE cars are running on the track. Uh, I know we plan on running it, and I think me and Greg and some of the other guys are going to get into a little bit of a discussion on some of the things that you have to think about when you're running in multi-class races. Yeah, I've been practicing uh, daily. Uh, trying to learn the Porsche 919, which is a hybrid car. Uh, earlier today, David, you helped me map a few buttons uh, that I need to actually be able to drive this car successfully. And boy, what a challenge, man. I, I really feel challenged by this. Uh, I've never had to deal with a battery and all this other crap uh, while running a car. Yeah, one of the things I recently, just a few weeks ago, learned watching some of the VRS videos on is that that's key to battery management uh is using the brake recharges the battery and if you have the gas down at the same time you have the brake down it stops recharging the battery so learning to kind of in a ferrari you can get away with kind of gassing and braking at the same time to to help control the way the car handles if you do that on a in the prototype you are wasting your braking power uh, but some of the couple things that you can really get used to it is uh, how much braking power you have when the car is going straight, but you don't want to brake with the wheels turned. And yes, battery management does become key. Every every time we we've been doing enduro Le Mans, and I've been running, I've run every week in the uh, sprint Le Mans, and picking just the right trim where you can boost when you need to to help help get yourself around GTEs quicker. It's 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 pretty handy, and it definitely adds an element to the racing. Yeah, and it makes a difference. I'm telling you what, that button. I mean, y y if you're not using the button effectively, you'll be going like 189 down the straight. But if you're using it effectively, you'll be going 20 miles an hour faster than that. I mean, it does make a difference. If you save it and use it, say, uh, if you use it in gear 7, you can basically take it all the way up to the chip, especially on those huge long stretches on uh, on Le Mans. Um, Greg, you're, you're, what do you think about dealing with the lap traffic and the lower class slower class cars when when you're driving around Le Mans. Well, this will be interesting because last year me phil and a former teammate mike um took this on the three of us took the 24 hours on and finished third so we got a we got a big shoes to fill this year to try and better that but um the thing with lap traffic is at Le Mans is you're most of the time you're passing them on the straightaways it, the the back the back half of the track is you know all the straightaways and then you start coming into twisty sections but you have enough runway if you use the the energy right you should be able to boost past on a straightaway before you get to the next turn and, and set it up right there's enough time in the lap where you're not um you're not pressured to make that pass to get pass right away if you got one corner you can sit behind for a sec just do it. it the track 
is really good for patience. It's it's a lot of heavy braking zones, so you charge the battery a lot better. The Porsche has the extra charge in it than than over the the Audi because the Porsche generates power as it's driving as well, or where the um, Audi doesn't. So the Audi only does it under braking, so you get a little bit more boost out of the Porsche um, for us for the LMP class. Um, I just know that last last year's 24-hour, it was about managing the traffic at the right times. And, and the beginning of the race was really hectic last year, too, um, just to start with till you got down to that back stretch where everybody got away from each other. Yeah, my team was actually in the same split as you that year. That was back before I joined Tifosi. And um, we were running third. And I don't remember exactly, but I think I was going around a... A, and actually, I don't remember if it was me or one of the teammates, but we were going around the, the, the is it is it the Porsche curves towards the end? Uh, we were going around on the outside of a car, a GTE, and he just decided to come over and, and take us out. You talk about the chance to be patient and passing on the straights, and I've been running the LMPs all year, and so I've I've picked up a, a few things that that are interesting about how most of the GTEs handle being around. Uh, the LM the LMPs and they're almost sometimes seems to be a class envy um, because they think that you're the the sporting code says that it's the responsibility of the LMP or the faster class car to pass safely and what and we do expect our the slower class cars to to race in a predictable way where they stay on the racing lines for 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 the most part but what I start to run into is some L some GTE drivers and this is just a small percentage they'll come up with this approach that they think well i'm supposed to hold my racing line and and race you and you're supposed to get around me safely but that rule doesn't mean that you basically need to make it even harder to pass uh, so every once in a while i get a guy basically once an lmp has gotten beside you at that point you should really and this is just my personal opinion. I don't know about how other LMP drivers and multi-class drivers are. Once the LMP has gotten beside you, and it's not as a dive bomb, but if they can get beside you before you get to the braking zone, brake early and go in behind them. It doesn't just benefit them because then they, they're, they're going to brake early, but they still, to be able to get a good exit, they're not going to get a good exit if they go have to go in the corner beside you. So brake early, go in behind them. And then you both have a better exit because you have more room on the track to exit. And the, the truth is about the LMP car versus the GTE. If it's a 90-degree slow-speed corner, the GTE and the LMP are no faster. They, when, you, when you're going that much slower, it's all mechanical grip. There's no, there's no aero grip. So they're the same speed in the corner. So anytime I catch a, catch a GTE in a slow-speed, hard-banked or you know hard, hard corner – I'm just going to go in behind them and, and pass them off the corner. And and you have that opportunity in most of Le Mans, so I'm really not worried about a, a GTE driver doing anything to get out of the way well, anywhere. Except I wish they for, would stay on the line. I mean, that's yeah, the they problem need to, I ran They need to stay on the line. But where you get in the – where you do – the one place where you do need a little bit of courtesy from the GTEs is the Porsche curves. Because if you get stuck behind a GTE in the Porsche curves – they can slow you down a lot more than it slows them down if they cut you a break so you can get past them in, on one of the curves. Now I'm trying to think. I haven't run the track in a little bit. Porsche curves is three. Is it three sweeping turns or is it four? It's four. It's, it's, yeah, four, it's four sweeping four. turns. And yeah, those so sweeping you... high-speed turns is where 
the where there's a huge speed differential because the because the LMP has so much more downforce. Yeah, you can so fly you, through there. If you get one behind you, as he's as he starts, I'm I'm going to try to get right up in your tail and hope that I can exit just a little bit faster. And it that's one place where you can, if as long as you don't do something erratic that becomes unpredictable, try to let them slip by there because it's going to help you both out. That's the one place where you can cost an LMP a lot of time. Yeah, in I don't practice. I don't care of getting behind being behind you in any of those other sharp turns, not a problem. But right there, it co it can cost five seconds, and that adds up. Well, yeah, I sent a video today. I was in practice and uh, going down the straight, and I had one of the slow cars in the left lane and then another one in the middle, and they were kind of offset, and I was trying to shoot the gap between them, and I didn't quite make it. Well, the thing is, is if you get – that's the other thing. If you're a GTE – or even the LMP2 cars, like once you get come up on them, don't be in two different lanes if you're not passing them. Stay behind the next car. Don't, don't, don't make it harder for the LMP car to find a way through there for no reason. Like there's no, there's no need to run two different lines down the straightaway. There's one line down the straightaways, the long straightaways. There's no need to run two because you're going to end up in the same spot on the same side of the track to get into the next corner when you when you get to the chicanes so it doesn't it doesn't help you doing that now if you're trying to pass it's another thing but there's it's three there's you can fit three cars wide so if you're trying to pass a guy there's kind of room there but don't do make a lmp cars zigzag through you but david from what you're saying there i get it as the the gte cars need to remember that the LMP1 cars are always going to beat you out of the corner, no matter what. Even if even if you want to go into the corner side by side with them, they're gonna beat you out of the corner, no matter what. But you cost each other. If you decide to go into the corner side by side with them, this happened to me in um, I think an Indy race recently, or maybe it was Spa actually. I had a GTE. No, it was Spa because it was after the long straight where you're coming up to the last short chicane, and I got side by side well before the braking zone with a GTE, and he decided that was dive bombing and tried to go in side by side with me and wrecked himself out and threw a fit about it. And it was funny because somebody posted a clip on my Twitch about it basically making fun of the guy at that point if i'm the lower class car and i see him coming down i'm gonna slow down and go go right in behind him and i'm gonna lose two tenths if i go in beside him both drivers gonna lose possibly up to a second and risk wrecking so just try do your best almost always to not go side by side in any in any corner but especially the high speed corners so what's uh, different this year that's what i want to get into so what's different this year than last year Oh, well, the timing that it's going to be dark. The dark, right. Okay, yeah. so remember, all the people that have raced Le Mans, they're like, okay, I have no problem. I've done this every year. But you did it in the daytime, okay? Now we have night. And night Le Mans is not like night at any other track because there's no lighting anywhere. It is dark, 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 dark. Well, Sebring is, is dark except for when you're, when you're around the stands. But it does have reflectors down. Yeah, it it's Lamar has reflectors too. I just don't think they've incorporated it yet with some of the stuff that they got to redo do with all the headlight stuff. But yeah, you're you're totally blind going down. You know, you're just with the headlights going down the back straightaways for the most part, and, and you're you know you're on you're on city roads or on roads in France that are 
um, normally not, you know, just headlights are good enough for, for cars to travel on. So when you're doing 200 kilometers or miles an hour down that straight, you got to remember your braking points. You got to remember where you are on the track. You got to remember that how many straightaways before chicane or before the chicanes there are each one. You got two chicanes and then a final braking zone before you head into the back part of the track. Don't underestimate the power of the dark. Yeah, you need. To, I recommend everybody practice at night. Uh, hopefully, they'll have the. Um, I didn't check, but hopefully the, the sprint series that's going on the week before. I'm going to run every race I can there, because that that's just the best way for me to learn a track is to run it under race conditions. But run as many races as you can in the in as for to get the practice in. Uh, but the key the key to the race with the night with the conditions and everything uh, speaking of which there are some the key to the race is survival but there was a, an additional item on this that we needed to cover and that's that they have made some improvements to the headlight system and they expect it to be released in the Joan build uh, in the final part of that thread somebody was asking can you get this in before Le Mans and that hasn't been answered yet it would be nice if they did but um, yeah you got to practice it and get used to it if you practice it and get used to it 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 will not bite you, but if you go out there and you've never turned a practice lap, you're at, screwed. Yeah, yeah you're, you're in trouble. Well, and one more thing about the GTEs is you do have to mirror drive and be aware of a of a Lamont, an LMP car if he's close to you, because when we come to a straight, we're gonna we're gonna try to decide we're gonna pr try to predict what line you're gonna be, and then we're gonna start barreling down a line. And if you see one barreling down a line and you pull in front of him, it's it's bad news. The other thing is is. It has the same incident limit as last year, 100 incidents. Um, I don't think we came close, but the good thing no. about Lamar is they just have slowdowns. You, you get slowdown penalties more than incident penalties. So that's, you know, and the good thing is, is if you don't boost, like if you get a slowdown penalty on one of the straights, if you don't boost off the corner, It'll you just can go probably away. go away. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was figuring out in practice. Don't slow down for slowdowns. It'll eventually go away because... I'll get into a corner not very well, and it'll go away or whatever. And so just, I don't actually have to slow down. Just don't let the slowdown start blinking too long because if it starts blinking, that means it's going to throw you a black flag. So I don't think I've ever gotten it where it blinks. So if it starts blinking, slow down. All right, let's keep moving. Chris, Week 10 Super Session. Yeah, it's a reminder that the uh, to get out there and race the Week 10 Super Session. It's the uh, Daytona. I'm sorry, I, uh, I'm not really sure about the track. I was thinking week 10 is this week, and it would be the, the Rallycross cars. And we have here that's at Lucas Oil, but the Rallycross cars, I believe, are at Daytona this week. So not 100% sure on the track, but I get out there and race for the Super Session. Um, Saturday's race is worth 500 iRacing credits, 250 to the winner. Wow. And everybody's got a shot in Rally. Yeah. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the split? 20... 20 cars, 15 not cars, even, something like that. Not even that. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and how many guys are going to show up? So, yeah, maybe if you're, I mean, you just get into that race, a few of the fastest guys wreck, even if you're not one of the, the best there is. I mean, you still got a good shot at the money. What's up, what time of day is the 1,700 current inch range time? What time is that? I think they, they're usually around, uh, like, 1 or 2 in the afternoon, Eastern time, I think. Is usually a 500 the race could... Uh, I guess it would just be finishing up the 500 race on Saturday then. For Eastern time, I'll, when it's daylight, just uh, take four away from the number. Yeah, 50 so it's like, I racing. 
Okay. Fifty I racing credits for third. I mean, that's <laughs> that'll get you some new tracks. Some of the, all this new um, the dirt truck stuff coming up, get for free. Okay. Next up, I t- I have this one. It's th- called the best podcast search engine. Uh, it's interesting how po- audio podcasts work. Uh, they're RSS feeds, and once you get one out there, it kind of propagates on its own to all these various podcast sites. And I have found so many over the years. Well, we found another one. This one is listennotes.com. Listennotes.com. You can actually go there, search iRacers Lounge, and hear every episode we ever had. So check it out. Tony, Sticky Walls. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you'd really call them Sticky Walls, but uh, apparently uh, drivers were having some trouble um, at the the new Charlotte during the Road to Pro race. And uh, there's some, some videos on the forums. And it looks like... Uh, you know, if, if you hit the wall, um, and not just scrape the wall, but actually, you know, get into the wall almost perpendicular, it would uh, throw it you was up. Sending, it was, yeah, it was sending sending guys like, you know, higher than the catch fence and just going crazy. Um, I, I'm not sure if this was happening across all the splits, um, but there was there was definitely a few guys that were experiencing this. Um, Tony Gardner did chime in and say that they were, they were looking at it and trying to get that resolved ASAP. Now, I'm wondering if this has to do with them using the triangle still and not having it. What, is it, what did they call it? What did they used to call it for the damage model? Anyways, they're po- the points. And when the, that point probably protrudes through that flat wall, it probably sucks it in like it's like stopping. I don't so I'm think wondering the if trucks have the damage model, though. No, but I'm saying the old, like maybe when they were doing the code or something, something got more exaggerated with those points on, because it's not the new one. The points aren't the new one. It's the polygons that is the new one that they're coming up with the damage model. Yeah, but I mean, if that was the case, we would have heard about that sooner than just, yeah. you know, last night's race, right? People run that Charlotte track a lot. Yeah. Could be the tr- trucks. Maybe the truck. I don't know. Some combination of. All right, let's keep moving. Jesse, account renewal. Yeah, iRacing's uh, giving expired accounts 25% off through the 28th. I uh, just did that and right before they announced that, so I hopefully I'm going to get some credits back. There's some comments saying people have emailed support staff and gotten a refund in iDollars, which is better than nothing. Uh, just go towards my new trucks that are uh, coming out in June that I can't wait for. So yeah, if you are uh, got an expired account, you got a couple weeks here to get renewed. Yeah, there's promo code PR-RENEW, and then there's a, cu- a number after it. If you're on the three-month, it's 325, one-year, 1225, and if you're on a two-year reactivation, the number 2425. Mine expires on the 19th. I, I turned off my auto-renew, so maybe I can yeah, get a few bucks off the renewing. Yeah, it does say reactivation, so you might have to let it expire and then use the code. I don't know. So I'm going to try. We'll see. Okay. Well, 25%. That's not a bad deal. Uh, Indy 500, Greg. Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to these next two weeks with the long, long races. So we got the Indy 500 start this weekend. Um, so it's going from the 17th of May to the 19th. Um, there's four time slots. Uh, they got Saturday at 1, t- 1 o'clock GMT and Friday night at 9 p.m. G- or Eastern. 
Time slot two will be Saturday, 1300 uh, GMT, which is Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Time slot three will be Saturday, 1700 uh, GMT, and then Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then time slot four will be Sunday at 1400 uh, Greenwich Mean Time, on, and then Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern. I've decided yeah. I'm not running this race, actually. Really? I don't own the car. I never did buy it. Man, these cars are so much fun. I've been I've been really enjoying the actual indie racing league that they've uh, in series that they've come up with. So um, I wonder why they haven't. I know they're talking in here. They don't, the incident limit hasn't been announced yet. I wonder why they haven't done that. I wonder. I'm trying to remember what last year's was, um, but I remember last year I had a really good finish. I finished second in the 500 last year. So I'm looking forward to this race. Yeah. I'm going to skip it I just because I don't want to buy the car and uh, just for one race. You got to save your money for... Uh, for the trucks. For the trucks, yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. Chris, internet time hole. Yeah, so uh, there was a, a member that had... Um, wrote on the forums that he was having problems with not all the cars showing up on some of the bigger tracks. And um, that prompted uh, Nicholas Bailey to chime in on the forums. And, uh, well, the, the fix was um, to go into his account settings and crank up his uh, connection type. And he was saying, you know, you can change from 128K all the way up to one megabit. And they were saying that maybe um, not having that turned up high enough was causing um, not all the cars to show up on the track, even when he had it cranked all the way up to 63 in the settings. And uh, that prompted Nicholas Bailey to chime in on the forums and say during this um, next build, they're hoping to to bump up the default value in that and on those options to 256k. So possibly just to get rid of that 128k altogether cuz uh pretty much just about Nobody everybody out that. there is going to yeah exactly everybody's going to have faster internet than that now and honestly if it, if it's that slow you're probably having a lot of problems yeah. anyway there should be a minimum to make it you know competitive not um not people having struggling because of connection issues and loss of cars they need to have like a minimum it's like you know minimum requirements to run yeah, so uh yeah, that's like it's good to see them getting rid of that completely. But and as a reminder too, you know, you might want to check those settings just to make sure they're set right. And I think uh the whole internet time hole, I think um Mason, even though he can't be here tonight, I think he's here in spirit. Uh it was uh on that forum post, the the guy it should have been whole W H O L E. So I think that's Mason's little joke that we have the the grammar police is here in spirit. All right. Yes, Mason uh, does a great job putting this podcast together. Guys, we wouldn't be able to do it without him. He does an awesome job coordinating everything, our guest as well. So thanks, Mason. (laughs) Uh, Tony, hot seat. Yeah, apparently there was a shadow issue at uh, ISM. Uh, One of the grandstands was uh, totally unshadowed. Um, Just... uh, yeah, totally dark, and uh, the two grandstands on the either side of them are all lit up, except for just that one. That is odd looking, isn't it? Like a square cloud came over that grandstand. Looked like some of the uh, iRacing staff had some fun with that one. Um, like Nick Lee quickly jumped on and said that does look wrong, and it's been noted. And then uh, Nicholas Bailey um, threw out a comment. I just thought it was funny. He's like, says I, I mean, it looks cool, sure, but 
you know, the heat. Imagine sitting down on those things in a pair of shorts. Yeah, that's the old Phoenix, too. Huh? All right, next up, Tony, uh, Dirt Basics. Right, yeah. Um, this is an older video. Um, you can find it on uh, YouTube, but for, you know, anybody that uh, doesn't have any experience uh, getting around an oval dirt track, um, Joe Lusk Racing posted a video um, giving some really good tips. I, I watched this one uh, a while back, and it actually helped me me improve myself going around the, the track um, and just search up how to drive a dirt car with a with a real driver, and you'll find Joe Lusk Racing. Um, a lot of people have viewed it. He's got like 91,000 views on this on this one video alone. Um, it's not not very long. It's about nine minutes, but it's certainly a good watch for anybody looking for for some tips or anybody having uh, you know a, a bit of a hard time getting around in the dirt well, car. Or just want to learn the jargon. You know, he talks about setting the car and riding the cushion and what does all those things mean, you know? Well, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a good point. He does explain that very well. Yep. And so I watched this. Uh, I hadn't seen it before. I did watch it this week. And, and, you know, I've been dirt racing for a while trying to learn. And I picked up some t tips from this. Absolutely. Uh, I think the part where he was saying, you know, you don't have to be full throttle to get a fast time. And uh, he actually showed a lap at full throttle. And then he showed a lap where he was off throttle quite a bit in the corners. And it was actually faster. And uh, I didn't realize that until I saw this video. And so it might make me rethink how I'm actually driving these dirt cars. So, yeah, Joe Lusk, uh, who apparently is a real-life dirt racer. And he's got a great video there. All right, uh, next up, I buy, I buy Power, Toyota, and iRacing team up. So I buy Power has created a gaming zone inside Toyota's Performance Center in Cornelius, North Carolina, where professional NASCAR drivers will be able to hone their skills on any of 20-plus custom PCs provided by the desktop builder. These machines will feature copies of iRacing, a notoriously punishing and realistic racing simulation available on Steam, and will be outfitted with some high-end racing peripherals, all in an attempt to simulate life inside the cockpit of a stock car as closely as possible. And, uh, yeah, it's always good to see iRacing get a mention and a link to the Steam account on a major gaming website. Uh, this was PCGamer.com. That's where I heard about uh, iRacing back 10 years ago in a really? PC, mag PC Gamer magazine. So pretty neat looking setup that Toyota Racing has uh, put together here in North Carolina uh, with 20 plus rigs. Uh, the computers, man, they look nice. Look at that chassis. It's really nice. Okay, next up, I got this one. Uh, somebody begging for more information about the hybrid car race cars and uh, we kind of were just talking about this with the boost button the battery and all that um, and you know some people on the forums are saying you know it would be good if iRacing came out with like a owner's manual or some kind of more comprehensive uh, this is what every button does. This is what, you know, everything does and something more than what we got. And I almost have to agree that they really should, because this is complicated stuff. Well, and I think it's a lot more attainable to drive these things with, um, 
the wheels that are starting to come out now with all the buttons and and different combinations with rotary knobs and stuff like that because for me when i'm running my mclaren rim to run the hybrid you know using the rotary knobs on it to set you know the hybrid trim and all that stuff that we need to like the regen and stuff like that that you need to have set right you know i can just quickly flick a knob i know david uses his f1 rim the same way you just you, you, you can get when you have a simple steering wheel and i know you were trying to set up buttons mike and you have a little bit less buttons than us so that you know it, it was probably overwhelming to you to, to figure out where you were gonna where you were gonna map stuff if you didn't have enough for it right and I think yeah that's part of the problem it's it's a lot easier now because you know you can manage it through the menus but that doesn't you know that takes time and you got to look away like if you're just on your wheel if you memorize everything you know i know my one rotary knob from click one through 12 i know which is setting as what so that's where you get to know without even you know doing it i don't know if you've ever watched f1 but if you see all the settings that they're doing down the straightaways to get into each corner and stuff like that to change brake bias for almost every corner and and, tr and their differential settings and all that there's no way that we could you know, do that the way that they're doing it in real life. Like they're doing things at a split second before they get to a corner. Yeah, that's what I was kind of telling David. I was kind of pulling my hair out. How am I supposed to push all these buttons and watch a, the battery gauge uh, percentage and and uh, regen or not regen? Well, I'm trying to race a freaking car, you know, and I, it's just very overwhelming uh, during practice today. Well. You know, Matt Malone brought it up the other day on the podcast when he was talking about just being able to introduce with his um, his uh, followers. You do have some more time on a road course to think about things like that than you do in an oval where you're where you're on in a corner every ten seconds. Um, but it's a challenge. But Mike, you would have been lost even if you had an F1 rim because there are a lot of buttons and there's not really any explanation what it what they do. I was in the same boat. And the only thing that really caught me it was having a few teammates that already knew it and had already figured it out. And that's what I'm doing with you now is kind of talking you through yeah, it. Yeah, it's word of mouth. See, that's what this forum post is all about, is it shouldn't have to be word of mouth uh, training. Uh, there should be documentation that uh, average you know, Joe Racer can open a PDF and actually figure all this shit out. Yeah, it's way beyond what you, what you have to deal with with a cup car and... You know, all that stuff's quite complicated too, but... So the worst part about this is I don't like reading in the forum posts is that, you know, just don't race it if, you know, um, if you don't understand it. Well, that just... iRacing's kind of hurting themselves then by not having a manual or something so people can do it because there's people... Even people that know how to run them are telling people not to run them. Like, it's... And that's what... You know, you want participation to be driven... That's not a way to drive participation is to have to tell somebody don't drive it. Yeah, it yeah. didn't have to be a full on setup guide, but just something that says, you know, we're talking about HOIS deployment trim. I didn't know what I did. I, I mean, I understood how that worked, but then I, I didn't even learn until about a month ago how to mess with the offset. And they're basically do the same thing, except one is in the garage and one is on the track. Um, so just something that literally ex just describes what each thing does is is really needed and whether iRacing does that or somebody in the community decides to do that it'd be really handy well and they have the tutorial videos so why can't they make a tutorial video on this they just haven't 
Yeah, there's a couple of people on the forum post that indicated they didn't buy the car because they were waiting for documentation that really never came. All right, well, let's keep moving. Uh, Tony Groves, button box preference, poll. Yeah, yeah. Mike, this, I don't know. I've never driven those those uh, those cars that you guys are talking about, but maybe a button box might help you. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, on the forums, somebody posted up a poll um, asking about which side do you put your button box on? I thought it was uh, you know, kind of an odd subject, but what the heck, right? Like, personally, mine's on the left, and um, for no so other reason... For no other reason than except that's where I have space to put it. Um, it does help that I am left-handed, so it does work a little more naturally for me. But uh, so, so the opposite I, side of your shifter. I was now, surprised by the result of the poll, though. Now, do you think it's? But if you look at it, it's probably a. Uh, you you kind of hit it right there. It's you know he's left-handed. He uses it on the left side. It's probably got to do more with your. I mean, setup and stuff makes a difference too. But and Dave, what David said about the shifter, but the right side, if your dominant hand is the hand that you always use coordinate to coordinate stuff, so that's probably one of the reasons why this is higher than what it is. Because what is the world? Is it 85, 90 percent right-handed or something? Like what's the? There's the left-handed people are, are very few and far between for the percentage-wise. So, I mean, I put mine on the left just because of convenience. That's the only reason. So the poll is 55% on the right, 28% on the left. And uh, I thought it would be more on the left because of the shifters typically on the right. Google says 10% are left-handed. Now, the, the thing is, is, Mike, I wouldn't suggest making it, even if you had it on the side of your shifter or anything, you're not going to be shifting and touching the button at the same time. One hand's got to stay on the wheel. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think there's. Yeah, yeah I personally Sorry. don't need this, but I know that, like, for example, uh, Brent McCoy just bought one, and I think he put his on the left side. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have so many buttons on my new wheel, I won't know what to do, so I'm not really worried about this. But it was interesting that I thought that the right side won the poll, I thought. I like that. Uh, you know, 11% that responded to this said they have two button boxes, one on each side. Yeah, I'm a full supporter of that. Um, it doesn't say it's on both sides. It just says they have two. Oh, there you go. I guess you, you assume it's on both sides, but you don't know. Just build a full-out dash and just have buttons all over it. You have a button for everything. Well, they do make dashes for a lot of these things. You can They bolt straight into the wheelbases, and you can have a dash board completely. Yeah, we'll talk about one later in hardware. All right, let's keep moving. Chris, uh, iRacing returns to Carson Elledge. It looks like iRacing is going to be um, sponsoring um, Carson some more and her uh, midget efforts. Um, as most of you know, she is uh, Dale Jr.'s niece, and uh, they posted they are pleased to continue their par partnership with Carson Elledge for the 2019 USAC National Midget Series season at this weekend's River City Showdown from Tri-City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois. Elledge, who will compete in all 35 championship events and the number one car for Tucker Boat Motorsports, will have iRacing as her primary sponsor in the Friday-Saturday doubleheader. So awesome. It's uh, it's always great to see 
high racing on the side of uh, real race cars and and in particular uh ones in the the Earnhardt family and uh yeah, she's a, a really cool chick too i know she um i think i believe she's a freshman this year at IUPUI in Indianapolis and remember hearing on a podcast that she chose that school um, because it was the closest to all the racing she wanted to do. So it's we need more of our youth um, picking where they go to school based on the racing they want to do. I love that. <laughs> yeah, kudos to iRacing for uh, stepping up and continuing to sponsor her on a go-forward basis. That's cool. It's a pretty crazy small world considering somebody actually came to grad school at Arkansas State University from that school when I was in undergrad. Yeah, she's running for uh, Billy Boat Motorsports, uh, and they're one of the better midget teams out there. So uh, good luck to her. All right, and now for the final word, Phil's, Phil's Pit Stop. This is your scheduled pit stop. I'm Phil Linden. On May 15th, iRacing finally revealed a proper trailer for the Pro 2 and Pro 4 off-road trucks. Let's go through some first impressions, because for me, it's a mixed bag. First things first, these trucks look awesome. As a discipline, it's on the fringe of what I expected iRacing to be comfortable with on the sim, considering the only cars currently on the service that go airborne on purpose are rally cars, but more on that later. I'm glad iRacing has taken this leap, and it's encouraging that Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing is an official sponsor. Okay, so the track looks awesome. We get a variety of jumps, elevation changes, the works, and it looks like a blast to drive. Graphics-wise, the trucks look as cool as I could hope for, uh, but the sounds are a bit underwhelming. But this is where my skepticism kicks in. Wear from dirt ovals and even rallycross is not the same to what we have here. These trucks make ruts. I don't know if iRacing's track wear can handle that. I was also hoping to see the new damage model ship with these trucks, but I guess we'll miss out on that one too. That said, my biggest concern is the jumps. In my opinion, the place where the rallycross sim is weakest is when the cars go from being airborne to landing back on the track. If you take a landing wrong, good luck saving it. The jumps have been where I see most rookies struggle as well. And this track is basically all jumps. In the trailer, we even see drivers wrestling the wheel for control, so I hope it's dialed in or week one is going to be chaos. iRacing staff member Alex Horn says the trucks aren't as touchy as the rallycross cars, and I hope so, because maybe we'll see the pro trucks become a gateway series, like the Class C trucks lead into handling the NASCAR Gen 6 car. I'll be buying the pro trucks on day one, but I hope iRacing will exceed my expectations with official races. Either way, I'll be satisfied. I'm looking forward to hosted sessions anyway. That's it for the Phil's Pit Stop. Back to Mike and the guys for hardware software. Thanks, Phil. Can you imagine jumping a jumping contest? Like, literally, who can jump the farthest? Uh, that might be fun. All right, well, let's get into hardware. Uh, our hardware software section is brought to you by iPitting. iPitting makes it easy for you to keep track of your iRacing team's progress throughout the season with up-to-the-minute race results, point standings, and driver rankings for everyone in your team. Check out iPitting.com. Again, a new sponsor for our podcast, and we're happy to have them associated with our hardware software section. Jesse, start us off with uh, something for sale from Liliana Munter. Yeah, she is uh, selling a quite beautiful-looking rig. Uh, looks like it's going to be a RC RS1 with the wheelbase being a Fanatic Club Sport V2, matching Club Sport V3 pedals, the Universal Hub, and an Oculus CV1. Does not come with the steering wheel, though, so everything but the steering wheel. And if you look at the post, uh, 
that she posted up on her Instagram. Uh, like I say, it, I don't. The only thing it doesn't mention is anything about the monitor itself. Um, not sure on that part, but the whole rig is a really good setup. Peter also uh, got an i5 processor with a GTX 1060 in it. 5K for the whole lot. Pretty penny, but it's a pretty unit. I hope it doesn't mean she's completely leaving iRacing. It probably does. I don't know. She used to be in uh, Xfinity part-time. Did a little bit of truck racing. Not much. I think she's a vegan. Uh, but anyway, I follow her on Instagram and saw she put up this rig for sale. That is a cool-looking rig. I love the big metal, thick metal uh, poles, so to speak. And look at that monitor mount. Look how heavy-duty that baby is. That's not... That's a really, I mean, it's got a, okay, so that's a keyboard tray, so it's got adjustability in it for a keyboard tray and everything. I wonder why, it looks like it's a custom rim. That's probably why she's not selling that. It looks like a racing rim. You can see the big old pad in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking it's for, it's probably her own custom one. That rig could probably hold the uh, DD force pretty well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the look of this uh, cockpit, the RCRS-1. There you go, David. Look how sturdy it looks. I mean, it is, you know, I, I really have a thing for 80-20 cockpits right now, but this would be a good alternative to that. Well, All a right. lot more expensive. Yeah, I'm sure it is. All right, Greg, uh, tell us about Matt Malone using VRS Direct Force. So Matt Malone has posted a couple videos of him... Uh, working with VRS's direct drive system uh, that he has on loan from them. And uh, um, I've watched, I think I've, I watched his road racing one that he had the other day with it. And uh, he, he, he's, he, he likes the, uh, from what I can gather from him so far, he, he likes the way it feels. Um, he obviously doesn't like the, the small room that it comes with, but um, it's good to see them out there showing it now that you know someone testing with it um that's you know he's not even used to doing a direct drive rim he's been driving the uh his 2.5 for the longest time so uh it's a little bit of a change for him what a what a smart idea for a, a hardware company who's going to be releasing a product to get it out in the mark get it out there to people like him Hey, they have us talking about it. We were talking about it with Bobby, who's involved with that. Uh, you know, it's they're everywhere, and uh, their marketing is really good. I saw him the other day take a a, a rough crash with it, and it jerked him around pretty good at uh, Road uh, Road Atlanta. You've seen it. Uh, you've watched me on on the streams in the LMP as well, and noticed that how much it'll move you. Well, I, the thing that I noticed with you because you do vrs and when you've your the director of wheels or bases seem to your whole body seems to be whenever i watch your streams seems to be involved in the actual uh movement of everything so you go into a corner your body's taking the brunt brunt of what that wheel's uh giving through you so you can it reminds me of the uh, the helmet cam that you got on nascar right now they put it on the visor or whatever Whenever I watch David, that's what I'm thinking of. Is it's it, it it moves around the same way as they have on that camera. Because I use the VR, not VRS. I think that's what you meant, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. You're using the VR headset and with a direct yeah. drive, and that's it, it's just Matt Malone does such a really good job 
interacting with all this stuff. So it's good to see that they're using someone that he's a really good at explaining stuff. He's a very entertaining guy to listen to. So, you know, this whole thing is a win-win for VRS if they, uh, you know, letting him work with it. All right. Uh, I got the next one. I've uh, been really needing this forum post. Um, Brian Sohn, that's B-R-I-O-N-S-O-H-N, is somebody we follow in the forums. He is a wheel expert from California. And uh, he finally put together a really nice uh, forum post that consolidates the settings needed for the Fanatec DD1 and DT2 and how to tune it and how to set it up and how to get the right settings and what does everything mean and everything that you would need to know. It's a one-stop shop. Now, why do we need this? Because the other thread that had all the information was 90-some pages long and uh, is just a monumental task to try to dig through that and find information. And so he rewrote all that, uh, basically condensing it into a thread. Uh, it's only three pages at this point, but uh, he's got several posts on the front of the thread that have all the information that you would need to set up these wheels. And uh, I am so happy to see this since I just bought one and I have one coming. Now, the the other reason you, you want to uh, start going through this, too, because Fanatic's uh, basic manuals tell you very little about what each setting does. So that's why it's good that somebody's gone into depth of how it translates to what you want to use it for. Because the manual just tells you the name of it and a quick summary of it. it it doesn't give you much yeah this is like an owner's manual what he's written it's very nice and it's got the definitions like you said which are very important to know uh yeah i'll definitely be looking at this when i get my wheel and and be setting it up same i've got i'm pretty get, getting pretty comfortable with how mine feels but i'll definitely look over this and see if there's anything i can tweak um i did already incorporate his app i and i corrections uh, and I'm running, I, I adjust my force feedback strength with the setting on the wheel. That seems to, just to be the simplest for me because I want to adjust it for different cars. I run just, I run it with more force feedback when I'm in the LMP and then I do when I'm in the cup car and it's just a matter of a couple of percent, but one of the biggest impressions I've gotten so far is, uh, I tried 48% on in the Ferrari at Daytona, it felt too light. I've tried 50%, it felt too heavy. And so like literally just 1% in the setting when I got it to 49 felt just right for giving me, I'm having to work to turn the wheel, but I'm not turning it so hard that it just feels awkward and it's gonna wear me out. All right. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know anything about these settings. Uh, I trust this guy. I Actually, it was his comments in the forum that led me to buy the DD1 when I did. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to set it up just like he says, and that's how I'm going to run it. And we'll see if I adjust from there. But that will be my starting point with whatever Brian uh, puts in the forum there. I'm going to try it. David, let's continue about uh, another accessory has been announced for the DD1 and DD2. There for a, a hundred euro, you can get the podium kill switch. It basically disables force feedback while not shutting down the wheel. Um, in fact, I, I read as I was reading through the form post, somebody actually uses it when they just need a break after they've been running a long stint. Uh, it's a hundred euro. I don't think I need it unless I get into a situation where I'm sitting in a rig and it's hard to get out if the wheel starts going crazy. 
Uh, right now, if my wheel starts going crazy, I, I can just pull, I can just slide my chair out and reach around and hit the power button. So, um, will I need it in the future if I get a rig? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. I, you know, this came out literally right after I bought the wheel. And if it had been there, I probably would have bought it. But the problem I have is it's a hundred bucks. Okay. That's a lot for an on off switch. I mean, it really is. Second, can't somebody do it, come up with a, D, a DIY you know, version of this? Uh, Tony, maybe he can help, but... It's already in the works. <laughs> there's got to be a DIY version that's got to be better. Now, people are saying it's a cheap plastic is what it's made out of. It, it kind of doesn't have any heft to it, and, uh, and so I've really not heard good things about it, but I want one. I do want a Switch like this. It looks like for that price tag, that thing should be like a metal casing or like a, a right. different type of than a plastic, uh, and maybe even it just it just seems like it was an afterthought the way they designed it. It just it's a quick thrown together casing of whatever the internals are in there to just that you need. It just they just didn't think the design out because. To be honest, I think it should kind of go with what it's, you know, the the, pod, the Podium series. It should go with stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine the production cost on it if it's made of cheap plastic is very high. It does have a, a regular power button on it as well, so you can use that instead of having to to reach to the back of your of your base every time you want to turn it on and off. Ah, uh, it's got a power button. Yeah. The Germans don't use normally use cheap stuff. So. My plan on this, because I don't get the wheel till mid-August, I'm going to wait and see if somebody from the community comes up with a do-it-yourself version. Uh, I can't imagine that somebody's not going to come up with something better than this. All it's got to be is a relay or a fuse that just cuts power, right? So there's got to be a, an easy solution to it. how do you wire it. it, right? But it does not cut power. The wheel stays on. All it does is disable the force feedback. It literally shuts. It literally switches your wheel to zero force feedback mode, and you can keep driving. Right. So, but it's still at the end of the day. It's a switch, right? It's an on-off switch. It's switching it's a something. Soft, it's it's a software switch though. That's actually right. just telling. It's telling the base to shut to switch the force feedback power to zero. So basically, the knob is locked in until you spin it, and then it pops up, and then you hit the button, and it goes into the cutoff mode. So you have to twist it before you push it? That's what I'm reading here, yeah. So you don't accidentally bump it kind of thing? Yeah, yeah it's like that. It, it doesn't have that. It's like a two-stage. You know, you know, it doesn't have that flap that, uh, you know, you get over like fire alarm switches. Yeah, please, 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 one of our listeners, come up with something better than this, and I'll buy it from you. I promise I will. If it's better, I will buy it because I, it does look cheap. And, and people cheaper. Said I, think, it's I think we all will. Buy it better and cheaper. All right, what was the other product that's been announced for the DD1 and DD2? There's, um, they're coming up with a mount for button boxes pretty soon. Yeah, Derek Spe Spears. For Derek De Spears Designs. So what you do is uh, you put it mounts on the front of the base, and then it gives a place on the right or the left of the base for the button box would be, or the buttons. Yeah, so this is, he's basically helping out any company that makes button boxes now instead of making it just like his and only button box designs fit in it type thing so it's like a you know you can make your own to fit in 
these brackets is it just gives you the brackets to do it. Yeah, it's not a finished product yet. It just he just showed us uh, what he's got working and whatnot. And just so you know, Derek Spears. I have a Derek Spears button box. His uh, his work is uh, their designs and everything that they have. Their dashes. There, that is a very well-made product. So you can expect this bracket to be very high quality and to probably cut to the right exact measurements to fit your uh, bases that you need. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, SimLab P1-X. Now, see, I, I'd hope Mason would be here to normally take this because it obviously is a, I guess, he, it's an adapt, it's an it's addition to the um an upgrade to the one that mason has is it not mike if i remember correctly yeah this is a new product that they're putting out i understand that so it's the sim lab p1x um from what uh you can see here obviously as one of our new sponsors here sim labs uh they're coming up with uh they're talking about um the it gives more adjustability to their foot plate uh for the pedals so you can uh, change the uh, way that they sit and mount, uh, and it also gives an option for an inverted pedals. It looks like as well. Right. Um, so it looks like the price that they've given on the on Facebook here is seven twenty nine for the silver version. I'm guessing that's euros because of the VAT charge that they're talking about here. Right. And then eight twenty nine for the black ones. Really nice setup with the uh, eighty twenty rigs here. Uh, I really like the way that's designed. So the P1 and the P1X, I think, are identical, except for that pe that pedal thing, the expandable pedal mount thing. It also says here, Mike, just to the P1 owners, well, uh, this could be ad adapted with the other people that have already have the P1, um, they, and it will give for probably possibly give a different price for people that uh, want to upgrade. Uh, this be is beginning in June. I was actually just looking at at and kind of shopping around at rigs today and that the foot pedal position adjustability and was the very, the single negative that came out of one of the reviews that I watched. So that's, that's, I'm sure they're trying to adjust for that. All right. And, uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you're, you're talking about getting a, a cockpit because of the stability of the DD one wheel with your current setup at a desk. And so you're looking at Sim Lab. You know they're obviously a sponsor of us now. And Mason just got a cockpit he's happy with. So that's why you're looking at because of Mason's. Uh, you know what he got, right? Uh, Mason's definitely been super happy behind their corner it. even before they came became sponsors. You know it's it, it's always you, you end up in an interesting situation. So we're we're being full disclosure here. They're not paying me money to say anything. Uh, it, directly they do sponsor us but mason's definitely been in their corner ever since he bought it and i went we're basically in wind down time at school so i've had my kids doing a bunch of cleaning stuff and we're we're wrapping getting the band room all packed up because we're actually doing some remodeling this summer so we we're getting everything done so i had some downtime so i went i just went on went ahead and went down a rabbit hole and looked at several different brands and even just my own research reinforced um, that they're probably the, one of the more stable options, particularly when it comes to pedal flex. Um, the one, the one negative that the reviewer that I watched came up with was that it was a little bit hard to get the pedals low enough for his liking. And I think that's something that they're addressing in the P1X. So I'll probably be waiting on that. Um, 
to come out. The issue I have right now with it attached to my desk, my desk is a heavy, stable, like real wood and marble top desk. It's been stable, but my dr desk drawer it's moving back and forth in, in a forward to backwards motion. I don't remember the fancy word for it. It's not laterally, but um, it's so it's causing wear and tear on the drawer. And it's just uncomfortable having the wheel move backwards and forward. I don't think it's what was causing it to go into compatibility mode last week. Cause I, when I updated my Fanatech drivers, that problem hadn't occurred again, but yep, that's what I'm looking at. And I'm actually considering, what it looks like is I could do, since I, I use VR, I don't really need a monitor stand. I might be able to, looking at it, slide the pedals up under and keep my desk and the monitors as is and just slide the rig up under it. Yeah. Yeah. When you're VR, you got a lot more options like that. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, Jesse, the Ryzen 3000. Yeah. AMD is coming out with the Ryzen 3000, and it looks like it's going to be... The 3700X is going to be at about 5 gigahertz, and at 329, honestly, that's that's a good deal. I uh, I'm currently looking to upgrade my i5 as I was just talking with you guys about this past week, and uh, Mike brought up a good point that this had just dropped. So I'm gonna do just as uh, I'm advising everybody that's looking at a new CPU. Definitely want to wait and see this because nothing nothing on the market right now is going to offer that kind of uh, option. At that price range, uh, everything I'm looking at is much more. Um, and the, you're going to uh, get more performance out of this. Well, yeah, like you say, with the uh, uh, single core taxing from iRacing, it uh, it's it's better than what I have already, and I overpaid 320 already for what I have, and I'm looking to upgrade from it. So this is about a month out, it looks like roughly. So definitely wait and see what the final numbers on this one are. Now the thing with also these new chips coming out is the motherboard compatibility too with like the uh, BIOS and stuff like that. So keep that in mind when these things come out. It takes a while for the motherboards to catch up with some of these new series things too because I remember when I upgraded to my 2700 uh, Ryzen and uh, trying to find the right motherboard and get the BIOS and all that flash properly was a pain in the rear end there for that. Um, also, the, from what I heard today, that AMD is also working with um, this this chipset's also got to deal with. Uh, I know it doesn't have to deal with our racing here, but it's got to deal with the new PlayStation um, consoles as well. Uh, the PlayStation Five generation that's coming up. AMD is designing the chip for that, so this processor has the same type of tech that's going into this is going into that generation of for the consoles as well so um they're designing it at like hand in hand as well as they're doing it here too yeah the takeaway i have is the hardware experts that we follow in the forums when they respond to forum posts about hey i'm about ready to build a new computer for iRacing they're saying don't build a computer wait until this chip comes out because you're going to want this chip over an Intel chip. So listen up, folks. All right, Tony, NVIDIA driver update. Yeah, um, there's a uh, security update for NVIDIA um, on May 9th. Um, I guess Mason had some issues with it, and uh, he got the blue screen of death, and uh, but he installed with the GeForce, and it fixed it. I don't know if, he, if the driver caused his blue screen or... 
if he had blue screen before the driver came out. But well, Mason new... caused it, probably. No, I had no problems when I installed it. So, I don't know. It worked for me. Uh, I, I didn't see any differences after I installed it, but I did update, I think, two nights ago, and it worked perfectly fine. Why did you got to attack the guy? He's not even here. I'm just giving him trouble. All right, David, streaming. Before I go into streaming, one of the one of our teammates just uh, mentioned to me that you've probably been hearing it on the podcast that I've been banging when I've been pressing the key. You'll hear it right here. Do you guys hear it? Yeah. Yeah, that is actually the wheelbase sliding forward when my my so my drawer is hitting the desk. So that's <laughs> that's exactly what I was literally talking about. That's why yeah, I brought it up because it was relevant. You need to get a cockpit and just spend the damn money. Yep. I'm going to try. We we have a temporary fix coming up um, that involves some clamps that to, uh, Tony Groves is going to help me with, but he's, I think, already gone to bed or gone away. But on the new topic, uh, streaming. People are getting busted for copyright um, when they're streaming F1 2018 streams because they're putting their title to basically look almost as if it's the actual race. And it's triggering the copyright bots on YouTube. So be careful out there. We talked about this before, but I guess it's happening again. So just gotta you just gotta title it properly. Just make sure that it doesn't reflect uh, what the rate like you know you don't put twenty F one twenty nineteen Silverstone race or whatever like in the date or something. Just use use something else in the title. Yeah, F1 is obviously all over this. So they they treat that brand, that brand and that logo is worth a lot of money. And particularly be particularly careful if it's at the same time the race is actually live. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, Tony, how about a rig review? Yeah, Tony's actually stepped away. All right, then I'll take it. Uh, this is uh, Max Verstappen. Uh, he actually posted a, a picture of him on his rig. Uh, racing on iRacing and I, it's a pretty good picture to kind of get a view of what he's got equipment wise so I thought we'd take a quick look at it uh, cockpit he's got the play seat uh, it actually is the uh, Red Bull racing version of the play seat uh, he's got that fancy uh, wheel rim that we've talked about before I can't tell the base is that a 2.5 no that's uh it's a direct drive base there I think it's like one of the it's not Semi a fanatic yeah. Yep, and he's got three 27-inch curved monitors. Uh, I also see the uh, a Razer keyboard on the floor that's just like mine. And uh, I can't really tell about his pedals. So it looks like he might have a Logitech headset, too. And there is a fourth monitor up above. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris, Internet Intel security issues. Yeah, so uh, Intel announced that uh, they discovered another um, hardware flaw in uh, their their CPUs, and this is uh, this goes right along the same vein of um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this, but it it it, it works through their uh, the speculative execution um, error that we had talked about for um, yeah probably months or not not or even years ago. But basically, what can happen is if you're if you have a you know a trusted app might be running on your um, CPU and it uses um, like some buffers and cache to kind of 
be ready for what your next command is. And if you your computer gets this bug, probably through a less trusted app, uh, that that data that's sitting there waiting can be um, snatched up. And unfortunately, it's it's in the Intel's hardware. There's nothing you can. There's no update you can do to fix this. The only way you can protect yourself 100% is to turn off hyper-threading, which is going to slow your computer down. So um, hyper-thread at your own risk, I guess. Uh, Mike, I think you should be safe. Uh, the eighth and ninth generation chips, they've, they've, have, they've fixed this issue. Like I said, it's a hardware issue, and they discovered it before those were manufactured. Oh. So yeah, I think you're safe, but pretty much everybody else out there, if you're not running a, a brand new chip, you're you're susceptible. But like I said, there's... Not really a whole lot you can do about it, unfortunately. Make an AMD look better every day. I've always loved AMD. <laughs> I've always been an Intel guy, but stuff like this, you're like, wow. Well, and, and and honestly, just real quick, AMD is always to me has always made better hardware. But the the problem is, um, since there's so many Intel computers out there, a lot of times, even like so, even let's say this new uh, AMD chip is awesome. Well, you know, most of your games and applications are going to be optimized for Intel, you know, just because that's what most computers that's what's have. That's popular. Yep, yeah. exactly. All right, final hardware topic here. AU Optronics HDR VR panels. These are have a staggering resolution of 3,456 by 3,456. Two of these panels in a VR headset would total almost 24 million pixels. That's roughly three times the number of pixels of a 4K monitor and more than double the HP reverb. And so, you know, Bobby Zielinski was telling us he's waiting for VR to be better resolution. Well, here it is, folks. Yeah, I bet you it costs a lot more than a 4K yeah. monitor. I don't know, everybody I'm talking to, I don't get the screen door effects now there is a there is less field of view than you're going to get with triples because you can with triples you can see all the way out to 180. i remember talking here and marcus ambrose say that you the the 108 angle gives you about the same field of view you have when you have a helmet on um but i don't get that screen door effects and so i don't i don't know i run it a little bit over scanned and it all looks really crisp and clear to me so one thing about the article it says so there's no GPU on the market today, except maybe the Titan RTX that would be even capable of driving these LCD panels. So that's the problem. There's no computer that can even run it. One of these days. <laughs> right. Is it that, are we getting to that point where they're going to start surpassing the equipment to, you know, the hard, the software stuff and the hardware just to run these things to make the, to make what people really want we don't have the capability of actually being able to run it. Well, yeah, they'll get there eventually. Like, yeah, they'll be able, eventually, um, you know, even on some of the software we have now, they'll get this stuff optimized to where it'll run. Like, uh, you know, when the Rift came out, there's where I have mine running on a, a 1060, a 6 gig 1060, and when that thing came out, there's no way you're going to run it on that. So, yeah, so we'll get there eventually, but. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll just be waiting to, for that that super fancy resolution. If you want it now, you're just going to have to go to triples, I think, or spend a ton of money and have a really beefy PC. In the world of technology, there's this, this thing called Moore's Law that basically says that processing power has been doubling 
uh, every so many uh, years. I can't remember if it was 10 or 15. But there's been talk recently that the size of the transistors is starting to reach reach a point where where they're as small as they can get without running into too much quantum issues. So yeah, they can't get it, much it may, smaller. It may start the the increase of technology, the rate of increase may start to slow down. Yeah, we've been there for years. That's why you see uh, yeah multiple core CPUs now instead of just smaller CPUs. We just we can't make them any smaller. All right, let's get into results. Let's talk last week, uh, finish up Kansas in the NASCAR iRacing Series. Thursday fixed, uh, ran P7, I did. I ran top 10 all night. Great run. Uh, I actually needed a short run at the end if I was going to get more than P7. Uh, I, I, they were kind of longer runs, and I just kind of sucked a little bit more on the longer runs, and the, I was better on the short runs, but... Wow, what a package NASCAR has put together for Kansas. I think uh, this is the gem of the season uh, as far as this new package goes. Uh, before we get into more results, I mean, what did you guys think about the racing at Kansas uh, being kind of like a restrictor plate race? You really could never – you were always racing with somebody. You could never get away from anybody. So – you lost any momentum. It was like a restricted place race. You were going to get blown by if you got, you know, stuck out. If you didn't get up to the top at the right time, you were going to get passed. Like it, 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 it was, it's, it's fun, but I know there's a level of frustration too with it because, you know, one, like, you know, even if you, we watched the NASCAR race last weekend, look at Clint Boyer, how frustrated it was. If one person blocks you and you lose that momentum, you're going backwards. And that's the frustrating part about it. It's the good cars can't be the good cars anymore you know everybody's pretty much the same going around the track and if you do get a long run set up that's when it kind of spreads out but you're still within two or three seconds if you're up front you're not breaking away yeah as a it's, spectator i've been loving it as a racer i have very mixed feelings it's suiting me uh i think you know i'm running better with this package than the old package and so i don't know if i like the racing more but i'm running better so i think bobby nailed it with the how the game has changed strategy wise and everything like kansas the one thing i noticed is early on in a run everybody fights for the bottom and then as the run goes on everybody's fighting for the top yep that's exactly uh, what happened to me. We'll talk about that in the next. Uh, let's keep moving on results, though. Brent McCoy, P1. He wins the Thursday fixed night uh, race. He qualified P35. He led 65 laps, a strong car and run. And uh, he was stoked after that. He said that was one of the hardest races he's ever run or something like that. And, but uh, good Brent is just knocking out these wins. And he finally, I think, got his, that was the night he got his stream running up well, too. So that was, I was watching, and he did really well in that race. And uh, for qualifying from 35th and going up to the front, that just shows you what the package does. So suiting him as well. P1, good job. Friday open, uh, Greg, start us off. Uh, I got a P6. Uh, I led 72 laps of that race. Um, man. Uh, I think it was Brent Mason and a, a couple other guys that setup uh, was really good. Um, it did have a little bit of trouble with it heating up the rear tires on a long run, but uh, we had a green white checkered at the end of that race. And I, st I restarted with in P six 
We went down the back straightaway on the last lap, and two cars got into each other in front of me. And I went low, and I thought I'd missed them, and they both kind of ran into my door. I gathered it up, came back up the track in into turn three, and uh, you know just had no momentum. And some of the cars passed me back. There was some cars crashing in the infield on the last lap, crossing the line, and it was just trying to figure out where you finished at the end. There was just crazy, but. a P6 from the way my races have been going for a while, I'll take it. Yeah, that's a nice turnaround. Uh, Brent also got a P6. He said he is severely damaged first lap of the race via net code and down on power. Extremely happy with the P6. Uh, Tony, you got P9. Good run. Oh, he's he's gone too. He uh, went to he, bed. He, yeah, he got damaged from a car going three wide early. Uh, still fast. He self-spun middle of the race. Uh, still was fast and made up two laps. Uh, David, you self-spun not once but twice. Yeah, the setup just had that that looseness to it, and it it burned me. And uh, Greg's bad luck has transferred to me on the NIS. I'm five races in a row now with with bad finishes. <laughs> I threw my horseshoe at him. <laughs> All um, right, it self-spun. I made an adjustment to my steering ratio later in the in the next race, and it. Didn't have that problem, but we were in one of the last runs, and I caught the apron and wrecked myself and several people others out of the Sunday Open. So it just wasn't a good run for me at Kansas. All right. Move on to Charlotte. Uh, Sunday fixed. Uh, Jesse, you and I put on a show. I think we did for a little while. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Talladega, and I uh, it gave me following you around, arguably pushing you around. On the bottom, they're tucked up with the guys on the top of us, lap after lap. It, it gave me the vibes of going back to running with Chris and pushing him on the bottom at Talladega. Uh, so it was a blast. I wish we could have finished that one, Mike. Yeah, we were running good. Um, it was a great race. Uh, I led some laps. I was running up front. Uh, as you stated before, the first part of the run, the 10 to 15, maybe 20 laps, you have to run on the bottom that's the fastest way but after that you have to run at the top because that's the fastest way and so what happened is we were leading on the bottom and you were with me and it's so nice having a teammate behind you and you don't have to worry about oh is he going to dive bomb me I wasn't even looking in the mirror because I trust him and so it's awesome just to be in that position but then at some point the high line was getting a run and I decided to go up I think it had been about 15 laps and I started to go up to uh, block him. I did block him. Uh, the next turn, the guy just came up and clipped me and got me in the wall. And uh, then I got caught up in several wrecks after that. Ended up P14. Uh, Jesse, uh, I think you got to the wall too and ended up eighth. Yeah, I, uh, as you were getting tangled up there, I uh, would, had got the lead, essentially. And the yellow had came out. And I uh, my computer had hesitated just slightly on a virus warning that I need to fix and I was also looking up in the mirror at the same time at, as do you guys and yeah I caught the wall and put myself out of out of that uh, contention but uh, Brent did a great job spotting me back and getting me getting me back in the game and we got back into an eighth place finish yeah that was a blast though Mike oh yeah and I had Mason spot spotting me and Brent was spotting you and I, and that was the difference I think of why we were up front was the spotting I mean I can't tell you how much it makes a difference when Mason's uh, telling me, Rhett, go low, Rhett, go low. And, and I trust him, and I do exactly what he says. 
and it saved my ass a couple times in that race, you know, by having Mason there. Well, and the only thing I want to add to that is on on restarts when you know, then we were instead of being filed single file behind each other, then we have to figure out how we're going to get back in line. And yeah, those guys did a great job getting us where we needed to be. Yeah, well done spotting. Uh, we need to do more of that within the team. I think uh, that w- it just makes a huge difference in the race if you're just running it by yourself and if you have somebody helping you. It just makes a big difference for me anyway. But All right, it is off week, uh, so no Charlotte till next week, right? You missed my P14 on the open. Oh, well, tell us about that. <laughs> no, that was actually a race I led a lot of laps in too, but... Uh... A late caution screwed up the strategy, and uh, I got shuffled back and uh, ended up 14th. But once again, I ran up front and felt good about the racing, so I'll take it. Yeah, after all the bad weeks you've had, I mean, that's a nice run. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, David, intramural standings. We have drop weeks counting now. Well, we have two drop weeks counting now instead of one. We're basically going to add a drop week every six races. Uh, again, iRacing, if you hear this, make your math do it. It's really not that hard. and it, It's more interesting than not having drop weeks kick out, kicking until the very end. So that caused some shakeups. We have a new top three in the open standings. Chris is still in the lead, but Stiver is just eight points behind. And Rochette has closed in very tightly with an 18-point deficit. In the fixed race, McCoy was actually a little frustrated, not understanding because that he uh, actually lost part of his point lead, even though he had a win this week. And it's because that second drop week kicked in. Um, so now McCoy still holds the lead in the fix, but Ellis is only 11 points behind. And, and I have zero and, wins and he has five. <laughs> and Bill Hull is only 15 points behind. Yeah, he's got a lot of wins, but he had he started the year. Beating up on the bottom really split. Really rough. Yeah, well, he started in higher splits and then what, and then just dived like a thousand I rating, getting caught up in so much crap. He, uh, so he's going to start losing those wins, right? Those are the drop weeks for him or his wins? Um, it, no, it's, it's no, more he would like other he's going to stop. It was a joke. He's going to stop. <laughs> he's going to stop. He's, I know other that people are going to lose their bad weeks, basically. I'm just yeah. kidding because I you know, start making it look more fair when he's got five to everyone, zero and one. I hope I can beat him with no wins. That'll be epic. Uh, you got to get a win. Yeah, I'm trying. All it's right, I think I will the, with this new package. It is interesting how that how the point system is working at this with handicapping everything because um, if you look at our points in in the division using the i racing point standings. There's a there's a huge distance between where me and Mason are and where he where he is, but because we we started the year even in different divisions, uh, it automatically handicaps everything. So I think I'm having real fun tracking this stat. All right, I'm look, I'm looking forward to the road courses to start making up some ground on you guys. There you go. All yeah, right, you're, road. you're way better in a stock car than I am on the road. Oh, I love the stock cars. I love those cars with no traction getting off the car. I don't know what it is. I, why I can't drive a car with high downforce and, and real grip compared to a car that shouldn't be going around a corner there. All right, Road to Pro. Chris wrecked on lap zero. Yeah, uh, yeah Jesse and I um, ran uh, Road to Pro this last week, and Mason was spotting for me, but I guess he didn't get do a good, a good enough job getting me through the wreck like he did with you. <laughs> 
Okay, it didn't work. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but no, there was nothing, nothing he could do, nothing I could do. Lap yeah. zero. <laughs> yeah, they just, uh, I don't even think we were through turns one and two, and a couple guys wrecked ahead of me, and yeah, the whole field, I mean, it just turned into a, just a junkyard, and there was nowhere to go, and I added to the junk pile. That never happens on iPacing, I mean iRacing. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Uh, my Road to Pro races have actually been pretty good this year. Uh, last year was terrible. I wasn't really looking forward to running them again this year because they were just just wreck fest. But yeah, most of them have actually been pretty decent. This one, not so much, though. Or at least not the, the half a left I ran of it anyway. And then, Jesse, you're wrecked as well. Yeah, Ma or, excuse me, not Mason. Uh, Brent spotted me again, did a great job. We were. I got at least to the halfway point, I would guess, and yeah, somebody, just a slow spin in front of me, and I was trying to let him go somewhere, and he just hockey stopped it, and I just got sent into him, motor blown, you know the deal. All right, and uh, Brent's on fire, he also ran a uh, spur of the moment IMSA race at Daytona, and won the race, P1, and then Mason got P7 in that event. And, uh, wow, he's just uh, hot, as, hot to trot, I guess. And I, uh, I, in the IndyCar racing series, I got a P8 on Friday, night, uh, Friday afternoon. That's the Grand Prix of Indy? Yeah, the, the uh, road course at Indy for okay. the Indy series. I didn't put it in the script, but I did pick up uh, my fifth win of the season in the Le Mans series at Indy in my first All race right. there, actually. All right, well done. All right, uh, Chris, OBRL, P5. Yeah, we ran the Cannon car at Bristol Monday night, and, man, it was, it was such a fun race. We had a, a couple cautions early and then uh, ran the rest of the laps out under green. We had a, It was right at the end of a full fuel run. So there was guys that stayed out the whole run. There was guys that took tires and hoped they could overcome the two laps down. You know, you had guys that... Uh, had used up their tires and would fall back. The tires would cool off, and they'd um, they'd come back up, and it was just it was so much fun. It was it's the, race, the way racing should be. And uh, Steve Johnson or Steve Thompson won that race, and I also wanted to give a, a shout out to um, Pete Coco Puffs Copco. He was one of the guys that just on old tires, man. He just he came up through the field and and damn near won the thing um, from <laughs> from way back. So. I love that kind of racing when you can um, um, have those long runs and, you know, guy, you know, your tire wear matters. But, uh, At Bristol, even. Yeah, 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 Bristol. And and that K&N car is, is in Bristol is a great combo. I think we'll, we'll have to do some fun races there. And um, they are recruiting. So if, if you're 35 and over and 3,500 I rating and, and lower, um, come out to practice and or check out their website. Love to have you. A lot of fun. Yeah, OBRL, Old Bastard Racing League. All right, uh, Brent, he ended up P5 in the podium eSports street stocks. He qualified P6, held that position all night. Uh, he had nothing for the top four, and uh, Mason spotted him there. And then, uh, Jesse, you ended up in the Northwest Racing Series P3. Yeah, I went to the Tricky Triangle this week, and it uh, was another long green flag race. Got... Uh, Definitely top 10 all race and just crept and crept and late run. Got a got a nice podium. First time getting interviewed on the uh, VRN network. All right. Very good. Good job. 
Let's get into final thoughts. Chris Scales. Uh, don't really have much this week. Um, I'll give a quick shout out to to Michael Schur. He uh, came out and raced with David, uh, Jesse, Mason, and uh, some of us had a, a little practice session and short practice race. And he he ran with us for a couple hours. It was a lot of fun running with him, even though he was. Uh, blowing our doors off in his Indy car, and we were riding around in cup cars. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. All right, very good. David Hall, final thought. I've started using Restream, so I can stream now to both Twitch and Facebook. Uh, there is a nice little chat utility in it, and I can see Twitch chat in my headset now. So any of you that happen to be watching on Facebook – Click the link, come on over to the Twitch and talk to me in there and I can actually see it. And particularly on road courses, it's easy to interact and I'd like to get more interaction with the fit, with people watching. But um, uh, I got to see something on there to be able to, to answer to it. For some reason, there's something with Facebook now that they still can't integrate it into their chat app. Uh, I hope they fix that eventually, but I'm still going to be broadcasting to, to Facebook as well because it, it draws pretty good traffic. So come watch me on Twitch. And you've already heard the stuff about the rig. I'm definitely looking into that, and we'll keep you updated. All right, Greg, final thought? Uh, I'm just glad uh, I'm at, this next couple of weeks are going to be some good racing. Uh, I'm definitely interested, or I can't wait for the 500 for the IndyCar. I'll probably run two races this weekend with it. And uh, I think David and I are, and Mark are going to be running, is it this weekend, David? The uh, Yes, we'll be running at the Indy. At the Indy track, the road course with the uh, LMP1. Uh, so you can catch me on my stream, uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's. Uh, I'll I stream every race that I do. Um, also, David and I have been working on getting the actual iRacers Lounge podcast twitch page stream going better so and look for uh, some changes to that in the next couple of weeks here i'm trying to build up the uh the whole thing for it so check back with that if you want to watch it live on thursdays all right yeah you can watch the podcast as we record it on uh twitch youtube that kind of thing all right jesse gray final thought yeah looking forward to uh the all-star races with the podcast this weekend Hopefully you get a lot of listeners in there and also going to try the uh, 500 with Chris Sunday morning. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. I'll be there. Uh, look for Tony Rochette to be hosting that and hosted. Uh, come on out, man, and run with us. All right, uh, Tony Groves, Tony Rochette had to fall off early. We did go long tonight. Reason? Well, it's an off week. I didn't have to run off to the NIS fixed race like I normally do and, uh, so we went long, and I hope you guys enjoyed the longer episode. Uh, boy, I'm excited about uh, you know getting to Charlotte. I don't like off weeks. It kind of throws off my balance. Uh, I'm used to running on my days off, and there's no race to run, and I'm not sure what to do with myself. And So it's a, kind of a nice break, but it kind of throws me off. So I'm ready to get back to it. Charlotte should be fun. Uh, let's get it, you know. And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.